Today, we're bringing you a special feature episode. In today's digitized age, our screens act as the windows to our world, governing the way we receive information, communicate, work, and entertain ourselves. But do we genuinely have control over what we view on these screens? Joel has proposed an idea he's calling the control layer, and we're joined by George Mason University law professor Todd Zawicki to discuss the legality surrounding digital autonomy. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Modern CTO. Here's where I am. I'm a dad, okay? I've got three kids under the age of six, and what I found was, you know, I'm walking through the living room and I hear them watching something that I didn't agree with. I was like, oh, why are they, why are they watching that? And the problem was the show was still rated like kid-friendly, right? It was like, oh, this is for five-year-olds and everything. Right. And the reason, so those things, they do very objective, like nudity language, you know, those types of things. But there's cultural differences as you go throughout America on what topics uh, you want to discuss with your kids or what is discussed to them through stuff. And there's no way to filter that. So that's what started this entire journey. I was like, how do I, how would I filter that? And then I got sort of deeper and I guess, you know, a little bit heady in the sense that I thought to myself, well, I've been building software for north of 15 years, right? Before I started the show and everything. And uh, one of those things I did was app development. And I thought to myself, like, this is my phone, right? (laughs) I own it. I don't have a payment on it to Verizon or anything. Like, I own this phone. I've paid full price for it. Now, obviously, they own intellectual property that's running this phone to some degree. (laughs) But at some point, there's a render layer that's going to render out to a screen, which I don't think, I don't know if Apple makes their own glass, but they're getting the screen made from somewhere, right? And and it renders the pixels to the screen. And then that light hits my eyes, right? And so I'm wondering, how much of this do I own? That's my first question. (laughs) Uh, Wow. Okay. Uh, I never really thought about that particular uh, um, question before. How much do you own of that? So the um i think the answer is very little um i'm clearly you own the phone um and you own the physical casement but the actual um content is uh, typically would be concerned something more in the nature of a license uh which is that you can access it for certain purposes uh, but for only those limited purposes so you're not allowed to uh necessarily download it reproduce it um, sell it, uh, do any of those sorts of things. And so um, so the answer is you do own the, the kind of physical phone, but I don't think you really own much in the way of what is broadcast uh, through the phone. And that's where it gets confusing. It's because like I own this physical screen. Like I could rip this screen off this phone and push data through it and make stuff show up on it. Yep. And so like I own the screen, but I don't have much control other than the control that they choose to give me over what that screen displays. Yeah, that's right. I mean, obviously you've got control in the sense that you can decide what uh, you're going to access, but in terms of really uh, owning it or anything like that, you don't control it uh, by and large. Okay. Because one of the the things that we, we talk about a lot in society and that has been coming up is like mental health, right? So I'm sitting there, I own this phone, I'm scrolling through. I have, you know, obviously I have this higher level 
ability to even use the phone or not. I can, I got that, I have that control. Right. But deep, so I have that control. I'm not forced because I'm a human existing on the planet that I must gun to my head, use the phone, right? <laughs> right. So it right. is a choice to use this phone. Although it feels that, like that sometimes though. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I mean, hey, if we're, if we give people illegally crossing in the country phones, then, but because it, it is, you need a phone to exist in society. And if you don't right. have that, you'll divulge into deviant behavior even farther and it just gets worse. So like, yeah, people need phones to connect and, and exist. But I was trying to figure out how much control. So I own the device, but I agree to licensing terms when I set the device up. And, and do, and, but I own every piece of hardware though. They're only licensing the software. Or do they have licenses on the hardware too? That's a good question. No, I've not looked at that particular issue. Uh, You certainly own the phone, but does that mean you could take the hardware and do other things with it? Probably. Could you take it and make an alternative phone? Um, Probably. But I've I've never really looked at the, um, the particular details of the physical guts of the phone and what you could exactly do with that. Okay. Yeah, because that, that's what I was getting at with understanding, like, this is this phone, it's feeding me information that I need to exist. But one of the problems is uh, content moderation. It's that's a huge right. problem. I think it affects mental health. I think it affects all types of things. Now, And in that sense, the phone is not fundamentally different from, say, a television or a radio correct. that came before it, uh, right? Which is you could take a picture tube out of one TV and put it in another TV for example, um, but you couldn't repackage a TV and then slap the name Magnavox on it and claim it was actually a Magnavox uh, when it wasn't. Yes. One of the problems that I've been thinking about is that there's all these apps on this screen. It's my screen. It's showing me things. There's all these apps on there. And they are all trying to figure out and choose how they moderate content within their own ecosystems and basically the stuff that I ultimately end up seeing on my screen. So one company will do it differently than it will have a different community right. standards and set of guidelines than another company. And there's just all of this diffusion across everything. And basically what that allows is it allows advertisers uh, the ability to, you know, show me whatever they want to show. Right. It's, it's weird because I guess what I want to say, and I'm, I'm sorry for thinking out loud here, as we're talking, but I'm frustrated that the technology exists today for me to control what's on this screen, it, to provide a control layer that sits on top of yep. all the output and then uses my rule set. So I don't care if it's an app, I don't care if it's a website, I don't care if it's a text message. Right. I tell this control layer, I say, hey, I want to see this or I don't want I don't want to see dead celebrity articles. I don't care what app it is or what yep. community guidelines they have. I don't want to see that, right? Right. I don't want to see adult, my kids, I don't want them to see adult content. I don't care what app or whatever interface it is. I just don't want that to be seen at the level of the screen. That technology exists today, but the operating systems of the companies don't allow us to do that. Yeah, and this is actually a really big issue, uh, which is... That's why it's the operating systems, but we have a system of consumer protection. Um, when we sort of look at the legal system, we have a system of consumer protection that was goes back to the seventies, right? And Ralph Nader and that sort of thing. And it's based on this um, concept 
of uh, of sort of notice and consent, uh, right? Which is, we'll give you our, your, your terms and conditions, you'll read them and you'll accept them, right? Now, um, we all know that's a joke today, right? Uh, I always joke, if I ever meet the guy who came up with the idea that every time I go to a website, there's going to thing that pops up and says, I have to agree to uh, allow cookies. If he and I meet in a dark alley one night, only one of us is coming out alive, right? Uh, it's you. Which yeah. is, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a completely asinine way of, uh, of doing the world, right? Nobody reads it. Nobody pretends like they can read it. Um, and so to pretend like that's providing consumers any sort of protection is ridiculous because you can't really do anything about it even if, if you do read it, right? We just we just check the box and we go on, right? Because basically we can't live our lives without checking that stupid box everywhere uh, everywhere we go on these websites. Um, and to pretend like that meaningfully empowers a consumer or gives us any sort of um, um, uh, rights, right? You know, somewhere there could be, you know, you, you get you have to surrender your second kid right uh, 10 years <laughs> from now right and they say hey look you checked the box you agreed to it right um, and so that's completely absurd and so what I think we're wrestling right now which is this overwhelming amount of information that is constantly dumped on us uh, we're just drowning in these disclosures uh, uh, in information which is this pretense that somehow that's protecting consumers, and it, and it really isn't. And it's usually written in a way that is pretty much designed to satisfy government bureaucrats and the lawyers at the company to try to minimize the chances that you'll get uh, that, that you'll get sued uh, uh, in some way, right? And so, what I think is, you know, what we really need in the world is a better way of thinking about consumer protection, right? We need to get beyond that myth of notice and consent to the consumer, whether it is doing something like you're describing, which is allowing the consumer more control over, um, you know, precisely what comes through their screen, or whether it is some more categorical government uh, um, rules that say this sort of behavior is, uh, um, you know, allowed on these types of sites and not on these, right? Or you say, this is the fault, and if you want this other stuff, you can go in and check the box to opt in, right? Kind of like we did with the National Do Not Call Registry, right? Which is most people have opted out of the National Do Not Call Registry, but still the presumption was you would have to go to the, you know, you would have to go to the central government database and, and opt out. But I think you're, you're, you know, touching on, I think, the critical issue uh, that we're running into in this area, which is... We've got this horse and buggy 1970s kind of style of thinking about consumer protection um, in a world that doesn't operate like that anymore, right? Where they're constantly changing the terms of conditions. There's this overwhelming deluge of information that we're trying to, to deal with. Um, and right now, it's kind of the Wild West, as far as I can tell, in this pretense that somehow we're negotiating a contract uh, through, these, through these terms and conditions. Now... Have we had situations before where we took what users want and their rights in relation to tech and have pushed tech companies into to changing their platforms or their systems? Yeah, well, there's sort of there's sort of two things about that, right? Uh, which is that the sort of the way the you know that this sort of tech 
um, presents novel issues for us, right? Probably the closest we would have would be something like credit card agreements or something like that, right? Which are also incomprehensible. So, um, and we still haven't really kind of figured out how to deal uh, with that. And so what we've ended up doing, unfortunately, is there is sort of the downside of this. I've said, you know, maybe we need some sort of government regulation. The problem is as soon as government gets involved, right, then you open up the political Pandora's box, right, which you mm-hmm. end up with our uh, interest groups who basically want to push people to pay attention to the terms they think they should pay attention to or you know, business influences that activist groups influence, lawyers can influence it, uh, all this sort of stuff that, uh, that that gets involved. And so we've kind of, um, you know, when we tried to do stuff kind of like this, I'll give you an example. There was this idiotic law called the e-signature law back in 2000, where they said they were going to fix once and for all the question of um, electronic signatures. And of course, they totally screwed it up. Right, Congress passed the law, and it says you've got to like be able to print out the uh, the disclosure form, and you have to sign it, and you have to scan it, and that sort of thing, right? Which doesn't work. I mean, pretty soon that was eclipsed by by phones, right? This is basically early days of the internet before people had phones, and so you know one of the problems is when we tried to do this in the past, sometimes we've messed it up, right? And that's the challenge. This is a very dynamic uh, world; things are evolving very quickly. Um, several years ago, if you'd said people would just scroll through their phones or you'd be able to sign on your phone or you could check a box on your phone, right? Even 10 years ago, that was pretty unusual that people would look at relatively sophisticated documents and that sort of thing on their phones, which is a very different reading environment from sitting down in front of your laptop. And as they thought of e-sig, e-signature for people would like be printing out the documents and, and, and reading them at their leisure while they're, you know, watching, uh, you know, American Idol or something. Um, and so, you know, that there's so as soon as they start trying to make rules, it seems like the playing field changes. Um, and that's 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 the trick here is empowering consumers while at the same time I'm trying to keep up with the fact that the technology and the challenges presented by the technology are constantly changing. Yeah, nothing says leisure like reading legal agreements. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We as a government, so the government is the people. It's like we the people, it's us expressing what we want as people. We right. we do this with, like, I've got kids, as I said, and we've got car seats and the mattress tags. And the government has a system and a method and a process for it to step into a completed product and say, no, yeah. you have to do it like this, and the company has to adhere to that. How does that system work? What is that system? Well, yeah, there's a variety of ways they can do this, right? Uh, it's kind of kind of complicated, but there's two basic ways that uh, we do consumer protection. One would be through yeah, a regulation, right? Congress passes a law, empowers the Federal Trade Commission, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, Department of Transportation, somebody like that, to issue a rule um, where they have to go out and they engage in this multi-year extensive process of collecting input from people, doing economic research, doing all this sort of uh, activity. And at the end of that process, they come out with some thousand-page document uh, that creates a new rule, right? The problem is, by the time you've done that, you're almost ready to start revising it because it's taken so long and it's such a cumbersome process. So the other way they can do this is through an enforcement action uh, where 
the government can sue somebody, and they've done this quite frequently with respect to, to tech companies, right? They sue a company for um, for a data breach, for example, or for not properly guarding um, the, the personal information of, uh, of minors uh, or something like that. Um, that has the, the benefit that it can be a little bit faster, right? Um, and it targets individual companies rather than trying to, who have been negligent or, you know, acted improperly, but it lacks kind of these democratic safeguards. Um, it lacks this sort of open comment, notice a comment type thing. And so, you know, you risk the fact that um, it can be haphazard who they target, makes it a little easier for uh, government regulators to kind of ride their own hobby horses um, if there's particular things that they care a lot about um, as opposed to uh, to other things. And so there's really no perfect um, solution to this. What, what I've argued, um, and I was the, uh, t- um, I headed a task force at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, um, which is kind of doing a lot of the stuff, consumer protection in the financial space. And we argued for a concept called uh, principles-based regulation, uh, which is trying to think more coherently about what are the goals we're trying to accomplish here, right? Identify a couple of goals, identify the trade-offs here, right? Calibrate them to different industries or different people. And then that provides some guidance and some constraints on the regulators on how they can actually operationalize this and move forward over time, right? And they can adapt within this sort of general framework of, uh, of ideas. Um, ironically, a lot of times it's the industry that doesn't like principles-based regulation, right? These industries, especially big companies who can hire a lot of lawyers, like these very precise rules that are very technical, they don't mind the thousand-page rulemakings, right? Because then they just hire a bunch of lawyers, uh, and if they follow all those rules, then they're safe, even if it really doesn't help consumers um, and doesn't do what we as consumers really want them to do. Hmm. If I wanted to, cre- if I wanted to mandate that there was, if I just wanted to get a get a mob together and say, hey, <laughs> we want to put this, uh, make this control layer available. Yeah. Obviously, p- these parental controls. You know, Apple has a different way of doing things and parental yep. controls as a whole on its operating system than Android. These screens now are all smart screens. They have their own operating systems. Yep. And so th- this w- one of the biggest problems is that even if I make rules over here for the kids on this phone for Netflix, that doesn't transition to the, <laughs> the tablet or the Samsung or the other branded right. TV because everything's right. kind of different, but it's all our Netflix login. So rather than going around and forcing all the individual app companies uh, to do it, and rather than saying, rather than putting the weight on Facebook for it to moderate its own content, yep. If we put a control layer available in there to just say, this is how, as a people, we can control what we see uh, on this on the screen. How would we go about making that happen? Now that is that's the big question, right? That's the multi-billion-dollar question in terms of dollars, right? What I think you're pushing at, Joel, it's really important to think about is what is the default rules, right? Um, you know, because the reality is, obviously, you're very technically sophisticated. Um, I'm fairly unsophisticated, but moderately, right? And my mom would be hopeless, right, uh, in trying to do this. So there's there's two questions that get involved in that, which is first, what is the default rule? What is the default setting on these things? And second, 
how difficult is it to adjust those default settings, right? And you probably know as well as any of your listeners would know, right? That makes a big difference because the more valuable, the more information you can basically harvest from consumers and sell, right? The more information you can trade on, the more valuable that product is, especially if it's an otherwise free product, right? And so what you'll see is industry will always be pressing for default rules uh, that allow them to collect a lot of information and make it relatively difficult to opt out of those default rules. Um, whereas other people will want to make default rules that uh, um, are, are you know allow less information um, and make it easier for people to 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 select their uh, their 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 routes, right? So I think a good example of a way you could think about this is example I gave earlier, which is the National Do Not Call Registry, right? Which is what we what was very clever about that was they set up a rule that said, you know, if you're on this list, that you know, that basically the default rule would remain the telemarketers could call you anytime they want to, right? But they made it very easy for people to opt out just by going to a central government database um, and putting their name on the list and saying, don't call me anymore, right? That actually, even though most people want that, actually kind of made sense because it'd be really hard for a telemarketer to be able to call you to see if you want to receive telemarketing calls, right? If they're not allowed to call you, <laughs> there would have to be some way around that particular thing. And so- so I think that sort of model, right, a, a relatively sort of standard template uh, for a lot of these apps, um, particularly targeted different groups, that could then, you know, then we could kind of figure out what the, the baseline is, being aware of the fact that there's this sort of conflict of interest by the uh, the industry providers themselves who are always going to want to push for, e- you know, easier rules on sharing and more difficult uh, for people to uh, to change those, toggle those switches I think that might be the way we should be thinking about it. Then what we call this in law and economics, transaction costs, right? Mm-hmm. How difficult it is for consumers to define what their rights are and then adjust those rights in a way that they may, uh, they may want. Got it. So, and it, it extends way beyond phones in, in my uh, mind. So I would, I would want to, like if I, if I were king, <laughs> king yep. Beasley, if I were there king, I would say it's a rule in the land that anyone manufacturing a screen, you know, device output, that they at provide the option for a control layer. And so basically you're just saying that, yeah, these AP, like I can already do it with this phone, by the way. I can write the software on this phone. It just violates Apple's terms of service. Yeah. Like they just, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right. Could, you can already do you're it. You're probably one of those uh, guys who cuts the tags off your mattress too, huh? Ah, uh, of course. <laughs> that's, the, that's the most fun part. It's like America. And I what just are rip you it off. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if the government's in my bedroom looking <laughs> under my sheets, we have a whole <laughs> other problem. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so how would I be able to say... Ha- Obviously, we do that. We do that across industries of products. We say, yeah, if right. you're manufacturing a car seat, here's the rule. Here's the requirement. You must do this specific thing. You must adhere right. to this if you want to sell them in this country. How do we just do that to screens? Like, how do I just yeah. get someone to sit? Because the answer is not just for Apple and Android and the other four providers of screens to do it. It, it would You would want all screens to have this as... because. Screens have become something in our lives so yeah. vastly different than I'm 35, so vastly different than the early 2000s. 
prior to smartphones, right? Screens are just so different. Like we look at screens eight to 12 hours a day, right? you know? And so they've emerged as this like new property and existence of life. And we don't have any control over what they, they show us as far from like a technical uh, perspective other than what the manufacturers choose to give us. So we should create a standard across all screens and that would solve the problem. Yeah, I would say two things about that. And I, then I'd see the, the appeal that, right? The, 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 the two things are is first, when we're thinking about the standard, we need to really think about, you know, it, that it really is the case. And especially in the modern society where consumers are heterogeneous, we really need to be careful about what our standards could be, right? Uh, in terms of trying to avoid one size fits all type thinking, right? So we need to, so I think what I'm saying agrees with you is rather than sort of trying to make everything subject to this bogus uh, notice of consent, sort of check the box if you agree type thing, there's some minimum standards of uh, uh, that, that should be, um, should be, that could be required. Um, and those minimum standards, as you're saying, might include technological standards in terms of how people, uh, what control people have, um, and secondly, so first the minimum standard, and secondly, controls on how easy it is for people to toggle and switch those, right? Because that's the other half of it, which is you want to have a minimum standard that is minimum, but but not too burdensome because there is heterogeneity among consumers, right? Um, but then the second half of that is well, then how easy do you make it for people to be able to adjust um, whatever their uh, standards are that are built into their phone so that people could try to, to calibrate, to try to kind of calibrate it to their own preferences? Because, you know, like you said, you're 35. My daughter's a freshman in college. Your kids are in kindergarten. My mom is in an assisted living facility, right? Um, we're all sort of at different levels of, of vulnerability savviness um and a lot of it's just the technology right which is trying to navigate the technology so that people can kind of work it so that um, what they have is functional for them but at the same time they're not kind of surprised or don't know sort of what control they have over their data and that sort of thing and that turns out to be a pretty difficult um question right what i do know is that what we've done so far isn't working Right, this idea of pretending like people are noticing consent, or pretending like somewhere in there are systems you could like do to to justice, I think is just hopelessly flawed. Um, and to some extent, I think we've settled on this because nobody has a better a better solution, uh, right? Um, and that then kind of comes back to part of the problem being just the clunkiness of how laws and regulations are made. Uh, where they just take so long and are so difficult and so burdensome, uh, the process that um, you kind of once you finish, you have to start over again because the world has passed us by. And so, um, and so that. But I think you're on the right track there, which is let's think about what is the minimum standard, um, and then let's think about also a standard on how easy it is for people to uh, be able to adjust that default standard on their own. Yeah, that that makes complete sense. And I, I was thinking of it in terms of with this screen stuff that you would just open it up to be an option. 
Like that you would, so that the private market, like a company could come in and, and, you know, company A can build their version of the control layer and company B can right. build their version. As a consumer, now you've got options on how you're doing yep. this and it works across all of your screens. Um, and, and so I was, I'm advocating, you know, that the free market can create multiple versions of controls, but then you could even go, you can, Maybe go to where you were going and say, what's the control layer for what they offer to the developers or the engineers? Yeah. Right. So you're suggesting yeah. something for one of a better analogy, something like a PayPal for screens that would work on your your Apple iPhone and then on your um, you know Sony TV uh, or whatever your your when your your gateway you know your uh, Dell laptop or whatever is that kind of what you're suggesting? Well, ultimately, at the end of the day. What's hitting your the the photons that are hitting your eyes are emitted mm-hmm. by the pixel, which yep. came from an electron at the power station. <laughs> yeah, right. To your computer, right? And I don't know who owns the electrons, but somebody does. Uh, <laughs> but ultimately, light emits from the display, and and it hits your eyes, and that whole chain of custody of that electron and how that that thing goes. There is a a moment in time where we can inject a layer. To say, okay, I don't care what is emitting this light. Yeah. But now this, th- now I have a, a layer in between that light, you know, being rendered and it and it emitting, or or the data being rendered that will generate the light, and then the light hitting my eyes. I have that layer. I have that possibility, and now not only, and now it's standard across all of them. So when I decide yeah. my values, because look, man, I I think mental health is so massively influenced by all of our devices and everything and 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 it's it's driving us crazy because all these companies are they have their own they're having to determine what their own rule sets are and i think that's somewhat un, unfair i mean obviously it's have it's happening but when i think to myself about why it's not there so that's my next thing i was like why wouldn't it be there if we're going to progress the conversation right it's like why isn't it there today and what what would want what would the counter argument be to not doing this because of money interest, right? And so what I came up with is the reason why it's not there today is just because it's an explosion of technology. I don't blame any specific company or vendor or anything. I think it's just a realization that I that we had is like, hey, there's a better way. We can do it at the screen level instead of making all the operating systems do it. Uh, and and then you know how do you you know move that forward and, and make that happen? But I, I kind of lost my train of thought there for for a minute because I I get. I get pretty excited, and I'm also trying to translate too from like to make it not yeah. too too nerdy or too technical. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I I, mean, I think your intuition is right, right? Which is uh, uh, reasons out there already is because um, uh, you know they that there's money there you know there's basically money in consumer information right now. The reality is we also get something back for that. Right, we get you know target marketing is better than indiscriminate marketing, uh, for example, right? Um, and so when we see ads that actually matter to us, or when Amazon recommends books they think we might actually like, right? Or YouTube recommends videos they think might actually like, that's actually a value to 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 me when they do that, right? So there is so, some value to me. There is also value to people collecting information. So why haven't we moved beyond that? I think there's two reasons. Uh, the first is um, not they, the consumers. Um, consumers worry about this to different degrees. Um, and the second thing that's related to that is the piper must be paid, right? Somewhere somebody has to make money off of these things to be able to um 
to be able to sustain them, whether it's YouTube or Google or uh, Apple or Facebook or whoever it may be. So I'll give you an example, which is a survey was done and they asked consumers, um, how much would you be willing to pay if Google, if Gmail was no longer free? If you had to pay for Gmail, um, how much would you be willing to pay? 80% of respondents said zero, <laughs> right? Um, and basically, if you were to dramatically limit uh, what you know, what uh, tech companies could do with your information, the kind of stuff they're pushing through your screen, right? The kind of interaction type stuff they have, then things that we get for free now, we would have to pay for. Um, and it's as simple as that, right? And right now, what we see is a lot of consumers just don't really want to pay for it, um, and they're willing to give up what they think of as um, being reasonable what they think of as being reasonable use of their data, that sort of thing. Another uh, survey suggested, very interestingly, that most people don't really care if some algorithm somewhere is using their data for some reason. They do care if the government or if somebody's looking at <laughs> yeah. their, their data and their surfing behavior. But if it's just kind of going into some moss somewhere as part of an algorithmic uh, Google or whatever, most people seem to to be okay with that, right? And we may say, Consumers understate the value of their privacy, um, and that that could be right uh, that we don't know everything that people are doing with it. We could say that consumers should be willing to pay more for it, uh, but that's the problem: is that the you know there's a cost in the system somewhere, um, and we've hit upon a system that's kind of like the old TV system, where you had to sit through commercials in order to get free. CBS, uh, right? So that's kind of what they've replicated here, except as you said, it's a much different dynamic when in the digital world where they've got they're per pushing personalized product, collecting personalized data um, in a way that's totally different for broadcast uh, uh, TV, right? And um, and and I think a lot of us have just mapped our mental models of the old broadcast TV model onto the phones um, and the screens without really thinking about the similarities or differences between what might have been going on then versus what we're seeing now. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. People have to be paid. Right. And yeah. I think that that is one area. So like, let's say that this control layer exists today. Right? Right? Well, the first thing 99% of people are going to do are going to Say to the control layer, I don't like ads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so right. when they when they, hey, when they exactly. scroll through Facebook, the ads will just be blurred, right? Because it right. can't remove them, but it will blur them. Right. And then, so what I what I thought I thought a little bit deeper than that, and not to get too nerdy, but I was like, well, we, we could we could design the system to where we can send data back. We can tell Facebook, you know, our control layer blurred this for this reason. Then Facebook could subsequently make the decision that this person's using a control layer, and so now we're going to shut service off to them unless if they want to pay two dollars or they can stop using the yes. control layer, right? right? And I think that's a completely fair trade or whatever they end up charging. I am the opposite of my wife in, in one very specific way. So we are best friends. We are very, very on track and love each other very much. But she does the free version of everything and I can't stand interrupt ads. Like I pay for everything. So yeah, exactly. If Google was like, you need $5 to search Google without ads, I'd be like, here you go. Uh, yeah, you know? I know. Yeah. I hear you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so, and that's the thing, right? There's heterogeneity among consumers and, and, and it's very dynamic, right? Uh, um, different generations, different age groups, different 
demographic groups have different preferences. And so it becomes pretty tricky to start thinking about sort of what would be the basic standard, right? And what would be sort of the, the, the opt-out uh, effects on it uh, because there are economic consequences, both those decisions. But the obvious, I think the, the sort of obvious explanation for why we're, where, where we are right now is that um, it's been very good for business. Um, yeah. you know, um, and, uh, and so business, you know, Facebook, um, YouTube, these guys kind of really like the existing model, um, and the inability to kind of coalesce around a clear alternative for the reasons we're talking about, right? I think one of the things listeners will take away from this is, wow, this turns out to be a pretty complicated and difficult question to think about how we actually operationalize this on the ground, right? Oh, in you a way just get that's the helpful military to, to knock on the door of Apple. <laughs> <laughs> that was my right. plan. Yeah, you guys right. don't like King Beasley. <laughs> no, that's right. But you know, Sorry both to, to come you. up with what we want to do, but then also deal with this this problem of regulatory obsolescence um, and keeping the regulations updated as we get new threats, as we get new opportunities, as technology changes. Um, you know all those all those sorts of things. The you know government moves very slowly uh, on these yeah. things, and most of the time we probably want them to move slowly. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, when they move quickly, uh, they do things like bank bailouts and uh, <laughs> yeah. and wars with Iraq and stuff like that. It seems like right. Uh, so there there are reasons why we try to have a deliberative process for uh, for for government, um, but in a situation like this where things are emerging very quickly that can really um, present a real problem to thinking about a solution uh, it, uh, that will come up with some sort of regulatory, something that'll be helpful in a dynamic and very rapidly changing environment with a heterogeneous uh, group of consumers. So, I, I think it would be helpful. So you've, you've definitely got the advertiser aspect to it and sending data back to them and make, letting people make decisions. That That is a potential solution to the advertiser. But yeah. As far as just this idea and popular in society of if I go around and it, it became a political thing where we said, you know, it, it, let's say it became a bill or, or whatever it became and people got to vote on it. The question comes down to is, do you want the right to control what's on your screen or not? Yeah. Do you believe you should have that that specific right? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, to some extent, um, our kids, uh, well, I mean, obviously you're savvy. I'm, I'm not, right? Our kids are going to be more savvy about this than we are for most of us. Uh, the, we're the ordinary person, right? And so over time, I think the kind of things you're thinking about, about consumers being more um, capable of controlling their own data flows, right? Of adjusting their screens, of mm-hmm. coming up with these solutions where they can kind of tailor their own experience. Um, you know, if you could compare your kids or my daughter to my mom, who's 82 years old, right? It's like a totally different world in terms of, um, you know, she can't, she still can't figure out FaceTime as many times as I tried to teach my mom yeah. FaceTime, right? Uh, much less trying to do the kind of things you're talking about. And so I think over time, it's likely that there will be more consumer demand for this um, and there will be more consumer ability um, of people as they get more used to this um, kind of in- environment. And in that situation, then it may become more possible to kind of coalesce around ideas that make sense um, and can also be adjusted to changing um, uh, conditions. You know, a lot of times we get new technologies and, you know, cars or whatever, and people don't know what the heck to do with them when they first get them, right? But over time, we kind of 
historically, we've kind of tamed our technologies uh, and made them more user-friendly and more under our control. And so it wouldn't surprise me if to some extent just the passage of time and experience of younger people growing up ends up exerting the same sort of market and regulatory pressures here. Yeah. And I think it would help while it definitely has drawbacks to advertisers and forcing them to think about this new model. Areas where I think it could help, like areas where I think tech companies might be on the side of having this, right? Because right now we look at what's going on with TikTok and children. And I mean, they're getting sued and all sorts of stuff's happening. Legislation's trying to pass and all that. And then, you know, the whole Facebook and kids killing themselves. There, there, there's some really deep situations yep. happening yep. there and it's it's resting on their shoulders. Right. I would like to take that off of their shoulders. I would like to put that uh, on onto the, the shoulders of the control layer, of a control layer that exists Perfect. between the screens. And I think from that, that, that would be the the thing I think they might be weighing in their legal team, control layer yep. or advertiser, you know, like what, what's, how is that going to, how is that going to like getting that stuff off of our back? Because here's the thing. Yeah. I know these systems in detail, so I won't be nerdy about it, but I right. can guarantee you that 80% of the parental controls today, kids can get around. They just, mm-hmm. they just know how to get around them. And right. And it's because of the level of where the controls sit in the operating system and, and how they're implemented. And, right. uh, and and things like TikTok, they're never going to build an algorithm. And it's, it's impossible. And the reason why it's impossible to build algorithms and blocking stuff that will satisfy the people, the reason why this is an impossible ask is because different communities have different values. Right. That's right. And you're never going to be able to satisfy every community. That's right. And as long as you continue to to operate, you're going to get people coming after you for this inappropriate content. Because right, right, <laughs> yeah. And this would no, solve that. This would solve. It would right. put the power back into the people's hands. Right, and that's yeah. yeah, and that just to kind of you know revisit what we talked about before. Right, the fact that different communities have different values is precisely what makes it difficult to figure out what the the basic standard is. Right. Uh, this is America. Um, it's free. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. And then you get to the second point, which is your point, right? Which is how do we then make it possible for people to do justice? And then, you know, that raises the question of coming up. You got to remember, most people are like me, not you, right? Which is coming up with a system where I can actually set the parental controls That's and figure out how to, yeah, figure out how to set it yeah. uh, uh, at the same time. That, uh, that make it simple enough for me to set it, but difficult enough that my kid can't uh, do it. Right? That's settled so, science. That, that user settled science. Stuff, Sorry, that, that is easy to I'll do. I'll ask you for a tutorial offline on how I yeah. uh, how, how I do that. So uh, you know, there there you go. But uh, but that is but that is but I think you're right. I mean, that is the thing is how do we calibrate this to heterogeneous um, communities norms? And you know, what I keep coming back to is how do we calibrate this to people's different levels of technical sophistication mm. uh, so that they can that that ordinary people across the generations can actually still use these things in a way that's functional to them. I think that's one of the reasons why Apple has had so much success is because of their multi-thousand page document called the HIG, the Human Interface Guidelines. So they require you as a developer to adhere to their the most basic fundamental control guidelines that they have for usability. Uh, and you can't, they won't publish the app if it doesn't meet 
a certain criteria. Obviously, I've people always, can do it better. Yeah. First phone I ever got was an Apple. Every phone I've gotten yeah. is an Apple basically for that reason, right? Which is yes. I can figure out how to use it to, out of the box. Yep. <laughs> yep. But yep. I'm not alone, I think, on that. So, yeah. No, so that's, that's the, why yeah, I use that's it. the yeah. challenge. Yeah, right. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a beautiful operating system. Um, so yeah, I I my my whole feature, the thing I'm exploring, I'm titling it "My Body, My Pixels." Yep, because <laughs> I thought that that was catchy and it made me laugh. There you go. And it, it's it's not about actually going and trying to make this happen. It's just about exploring. You right. know, hey, here's a really good idea. That's something that's impacting everyone can relate to this. Everyone realizes how little control they have over their screens. If yep. You know, look at Netflix autoplay. Does that ever get you when you're sitting on the couch? You're like, don't autoplay the video. And it's yeah, like right. autoplaying anything you're hovering over. Oh, it's like I, I know. have such little control. I uh, know. <laughs> I always put it on mute when I get to there. Yes. Just I can't stand to listen to blaring whatever video it's clear, it pops up on my screen. So, yeah. Or uh, like Roku, they have a home screen and they'll advertise like the movie It or something very scary and my kids are walking by. And I'm like, yeah, right. no one has forced Roku to put some sort of control yeah, system right. in here right. for me to right. turn off horror movies because it's broadcast in my living room in 50 inches. Yeah, like, great point. So it's it's wild thinking. What I have here is wild thinking. This idea that we could just wave a, wave a wand and say, if you're building screens, you have to adhere to this control layer and then that opens up the free market for their ability to i mean you don't have to use it you don't have to right. do, you don't have to enable it or do anything with it right. uh, you can just use what you're using today but the idea that it would be available um it would help mental illness it would help kids killing themselves it would help bullying it would help all the hot topics that people are concerned it, it would help you become a better parent because todd I am a software engineer for over 15 years, build these systems. I, I still don't have the ability to go configure every parental Jump. control system. It's, it's an impossible ask because they're all different. They all consistently update and change. And it, yep. it it's just not mature enough for it to be usable. Uh, and, and so that, that to me, is it's frustrating when you can see the solution and you understand the problem and you understand the solution, but then you have the resistance of the entire universe <laughs> to make it reality. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think it's, a, I think it's, a, you know, it, it's obviously a huge question. It's an important question. It's a difficult question. It's not going to get easier as AI and machine learning becomes more and more prominent, right? And becomes even better and better at sort of, um, what they're what they, these kind of things that they're doing right in terms of uh, of of uh, targeting uh you know providing that that sort of information so i said there's an upside to it um both in terms of cost and also in terms of content but there's obviously these risks as well and um so i think you know the kind of thinking you're doing is the most important thing we can be doing at this point which is really thinking through this thinking through this as a legal matter as a policy matter for for parents but also as a technical matter right you know the kind of things that you and your listeners do um in terms of making this a user-friendly system uh you know that that's where the rubber will hit the road on this is how do we design these systems that allow people to tailor their experience to what they want in a way that um, that they can actually use it um and they can adapt and it can adapt over time and adapt to changing, you know, threats over time and that sort of thing. And so I think it's a really, you know, it, it does 
kind of require everybody thinking through this from the law all the way down to the uh, what goes on inside the phone stuff. Um, and so I, you know, I think it's great that you're raising this and that you guys are thinking about this from your side and not just from my side, from the government kind of regulatory perspective. 100%. Yeah. Yes. You are, you are brilliant. And I really appreciate (laughs) you, you giving us some of your time today and doing this. Is there anything I can do to help you? Uh, Well, just keep, just keep thinking about these things. Uh, We've got a lot of, a lot, a lot of professors uh, who think about these things, but we don't have enough people like you who understand the technology behind this, right? Uh, to to tell us this will work or that won't work, right? Or here's how to make that work better. Um, and those are the kind of things that um, that that we, we need that perspective in these debates on consumer privacy, on regulation of the internet, all these different sorts of things. We we there, you know, for the reasons you were saying, we've got basically a bunch of lawyers in Washington making policy. Uh, but we don't have a lot of people thinking about how the the technology and the policy actually intersect on the ground and how to make that work for real people. So I would just say what you can do is just keep thinking about this, talking about yeah. this, and urging other people to to do the same so that people like me can learn from what you guys are saying and doing. So it's been a thrill to talk with you and um, kind of kind of work through some of these ideas with you today. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.